Good morning, and welcome to LifeBridge. Today, Pastor Chris will continue preparing our hearts for the World Outreach Celebration by looking at 3 John 1, 1 through 8. So grab a Bible and turn with me to 3 John 1. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab a pew Bible from in front of you. Today's reading will be on page 1,215. So please, uh, again, the, the reading is on 3 John 1, 1 through 8. So please follow along as I read. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. As indeed you are walking in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a fateful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Please bow your heads as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for missionaries who go out for the sake of the name. Lord, during this World Outreach Celebration, help us to come alongside our missionaries and truly support them. Lord, help us to show them that they have support not only financially, but in prayer and in fellowship. I pray that this week we will serve, or will serve as a time that our missionaries can be refreshed and equipped to continue strong in the mission of spreading the fame of your name to the lost. Lord, help us to remember that as we support these missionaries this week and every week, we are fellow workers for the truth. God, we are thankful for the opportunity to play a part in your mission, and I pray that we as a church body send out our missionaries this world outreach in a manner worthy of you. Amen. Thank you, Andy. And I do take note of the Martin Luther shirt for the month of October. Always good to see. Well, I hope you're excited about this coming week. I am. And I want to begin today's message with a simple statement, and it's this, that our sovereign God uses means to accomplish his sovereign purposes. What do I mean by means? God uses secondary ways to accomplish what he has sovereignly determined to you. Sometimes we see God's sovereignty and we think he's just going to snap his fingers. He's just going to speak from heaven and, and uh, things just automatically happen. And surely God's will will be accomplished, but he uses means, prayer, the word, his people. And nowhere is this clearer than in missions. Our sovereign Lord uses means to fulfill his mission through missions. In this series, we have seen the message revealed and applied in the five essentials of the gospel. No other message will save. And last week we saw that missions is mandated and celebrated in the four alls, planting, establishing, multiplying local churches with all authority among all people groups so that they would be disciples who obey all commands 
and we do this for all time until the end of the age. This morning, I pray that we will be impacted in our hearts by the exclusive means for doing missions. What does God require and desire when it comes to fulfilling and doing missions? And I would say to you, and I hope you see this morning, missionaries must be sent and supported. Missionaries must be sent and supported to fulfill His mission, filling the world with God's glory through missions, through the local church. Now, you may look at that and say, well, isn't that obvious? And for many Christians, this may be obvious. And I hope if you're a member of this church for any length of time, you know this truth. But increasingly, in many churches and among Christians, they have begun to question or unconsciously replace the sending of missionaries with other means for fulfilling missions. May we be convicted and committed this morning to the means that God requires and desires for doing missions. Sending missionaries to the unreached is not optional, it's required. And supporting missionaries who are sent is our desire as a local church. Now, you may be asking, what's replacing sending missionaries in missions? And that would be a whole message because there are a variety of things that are being offered and given to and promoted and celebrated that are replacing the sending of missionaries. But one thing in particular I want to address are dreams and visions among many of the hard-to-reach people group groups like Muslims. Often it is said, God is using dreams to lead many Muslims to Christ. And then it's added, pray for more dreams to lead Muslims to Christ. And of course, when you think about it, this would be appealing to Western Christians. Why? Because it implies that God will sovereignly use dreams in those hard and dangerous places. And that means then, it implies and it follows, well, then we don't have to go there and we don't have to send our children there. It has implications. But praying for more dreams to lead Muslims to Christ goes directly against what Jesus himself commanded us to pray. You know Matthew 9.37. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to give more dreams. No, that's not what it says. It says, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his office, into his harvest. Literally thrust out, thrust them out into the harvest. So let me be clear about what I'm saying. And I have three truths I want you to know. First of all, God may use this. God uses many means to soften hearts to receive the gospel message. He uses many means. Among Muslims especially, he often uses dreams, visions, 
but with all of us. The Lord may use a variety of means, suffering, disappointment, a broken heart, unfulfilled desires, shame over our sin, or providential encounters and conversations. All of this is used of Him to soften our hearts, to respond when we hear the gospel message from a messenger, whoever that messenger may be. May be. So that's the first truth. The second truth is this. God uses one means to save those who have never heard, those in the hardest of reach places and those in any place, to be frank with you. He uses one means to save those who have never heard, and that is the sending and supporting of missionaries to proclaim the gospel, to fulfill the mandate among every people group. And when I say missionaries, I put that in quotes because they may not look like traditional missionaries. They may may be businessmen. They may have all sorts of callings and, and directive. But one thing is sure, there is only one gospel that they can say, share that will be saving, and those that is the gospel that we looked at, the five essentials. Those missionaries, ideally, are those who plant, establish, and multiply local churches, like the masters who are going to be here, doing that in Argentina, or like the Macaons who you're going to meet this week, who are doing that in Sakado, Japan. Also, it includes Bible translators among the Makonde, like the hills who we support. It includes leadership training like that that Peter Hayes is doing in Amsterdam or outside Amsterdam and what Richard Lewis does. It's missionary care like what the Lugers who are going to be here, whose ministry is to help the sent to stay sent, to stay on the field. It includes support missionaries like the Dinos, who are going to be here with us, who come alongside church planting missionaries and help evangelize, disciple, support, and serve. But all these efforts, whatever they are, they seek and should seek to fulfill one ultimate goal, the planting, establishing, and multiplying of local churches. And here's the third truth I want you to be clear on. God requires and desires his churches to send and to support missionaries to share the gospel with the unreached. If God uses other means, then why are these folks coming? If God uses other means, then why are we giving to faith promise? If God uses other means, why did the Lord of the harvest say, pray to send out more laborers? So let's take a deeper look at these two truths of sending and supporting, okay? And let's begin with the idea of sending. Sending is required to fulfill the mandate. And I want you to see that in two ways. First of all, sending missionaries is the revealed means. You find it in the Old Testament. You see it over and over in the New Testament. Sending missionaries is the divinely revealed means for doing missions. Let's look first, and I, I gave, I've given you these examples. I would challenge you to look them up. Read them. Watch. How does God send? In the Old Testament, the Lord literally, literally moved heaven and earth to send Jonah 
to the wicked, brutal, hostile Ninevites. He moved heaven and earth. Yahweh used a great wind, a great storm, a great fish. But why? Why did he use all these things? So that his rebellious, disobedient prophet would go where he was sent to that great city of Nineveh. Now listen, a God that great could have written repent in the sky using the clouds in different colors. He could have sent an angelic army of messengers to shout repent from the heavens like he did on the birth of Christ. He could have done all those things, but no, no, our missionary God moved heaven and earth to send a selfish, imperfect Jonah to share the good news. And that, and that good news was bad news. Wrath was coming. Good news, if you repent, deliverance is possible. He was the messenger. In the New Testament, the Lord used angelic visions and the Spirit to send Peter to Cornelius. This is found in Acts chapter 10. It's a wonderful story of Peter, a Jewish Christian, and Cornelius, a Roman centurion. And it's amazing what God does, again, in a sense, moving heaven and earth to get these two together. The Lord uses an angelic vision not to proclaim the gospel, but to get Cornelius, the lost dude, to send for Peter, the messenger. Then the Lord uses another angelic vision to prepare Peter to go with the message of the gospel that needed to be heard in order to be saved. So Peter is sent to Cornelius to share the good news with him and his household, that God wants to save Gentiles by that same gospel, the gospel with the five essentials. He wants that same gospel to save both Jew and Gentile. But stop and think a minute. Why not use the angelic messengers in the vision to share the gospel in the first place? Did you ever think about that? I mean, that was a lot of effort, and it was supernatural, and it was profound, but it all came down to what? Peter, I'm sending you to Cornelius to share the gospel. Now, why not save time? Use the angels. Save money. Much cheaper. Save, it's more efficient. Instead of doing all this, They just tell them the gospel. It's much easier. And by all means, it would have been more flashier. And by the way, those are all things that American Christians and Christians in the West, but particularly America, highly value in life and ministry. We're all about saving time, saving money, more efficiency, much easier. And what is the flash and what is exciting? Why didn't the Lord do that? Why didn't the Lord do that? Because our sovereign God uses means to fulfill the mandate, sending missionaries, messengers to reach those who have never heard. Listen, we can't sit back and think, well, God will use dreams. God will use angels. 
We don't have to go to the hard places. We don't have to learn to love the hard people. God will all do that. No, God uses sending. Sending is the revealed means for doing missions. And there's more examples. Think about how the Lord used an angel in the Spirit to send Philip to evangelize the Ethiopian eunuch. Think about how the risen Lord used visions to send Ananias to establish Paul's conversion. Because whenever you say this, people always will look for the exceptions. Well, what about Paul? He had a divine. Well, Paul was an apostle born out of due time. That was a unique once-time experience. But even with the apostle Paul, who had an encounter with the risen Lord to be called to be apostle, he, the Lord still used an ordinary disciple by the name of Ananias. And he sent Ananias to where blind Paul was at to lay hands on him, to touch him, to baptize him, and to be the messenger to him. The risen Lord himself gave the mandate to go. Why? Because he's going up, seated at the right hand, and we are here to fulfill his mission. We are to go. He commands us, pray for more laborers to be sent, not more dreams to be experienced. The Spirit used a local church in Acts 13 to send the first missionary team, Paul and Barnabas. But perhaps the greatest proof that sending is the revealed means is that God sent His own Son in human flesh. Amen? He could have done many things, but He sent His Son. And what did His Son say to us in John 20, 21? As the Father has sent me, what? So send I you. Think about this. We, in one sense, we are all sent ones by the one who was sent and who also sent his Holy Spirit to enable us to go and to be witnesses. So God uses nearly anything to soften hearts, including dreams in the night. But to save the lost, he chooses to use people, imperfect, sometimes stubborn, disobedient, selfish people, just like Jonah, and let's be honest, just like us. That is his revealed means. But he also tells us in Romans 10 that sending missionaries is the required means. It's not just the revealed means in Old Testament and New Testament, but it is the required means. And here is where our call to worship comes in this morning. Romans 10, 14 through 17 in particular. Turn there with me in your Bibles, if you would. Turn to Romans 10, and we're going to look at two truths that show that sending is the required means in verses 14 through 17. The first thing I want you to see is the divine necessity of sending. The divine necessity of sending missionaries. Look at verses 14 and 15 in your Bibles. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? 
And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach what? Unless they are sent. Just as is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And isn't it amazing? Paul goes back to Isaiah 52. He quotes Isaiah. We started with that two weeks ago. Isaiah is a gospel-saturated book that showed us the essentials of the gospel, but it also shows us that sending is required. Now, notice what Paul says in those verses. He says this is a divine necessity, a divine requirement. How will they preach unless they are sent? Listen to the logic of sending. How do they call unless they believe? How do they believe unless they hear? And how do they hear unless someone proclaims? And how does someone proclaim unless they are sent? It all goes back to sending. Unless they are sending, unless we are sending messengers and missionaries with the one true gospel, this whole missionary endeavor breaks down from a human perspective. Fulfilling the mandate for missions comes down to sending a messenger, a missionary, a team of people to proclaim the five essentials of the gospel to all peoples in all places for all time. No exceptions. Now, should we leverage technology to translate the Bible? You bet. We support that financially in a big way. To, should we leverage technology to show the film of the Gospel of Luke to the Maconde people? Yes. Should we leverage the Internet and, and the high-speed delivery network system that exists and is growing to connect people like the Blummers do, who we support as missionaries? Yes. Could God use dreams or visions to soften hearts? Sure, and I believe that He does. But here's what my friend, Dr. Craig Dunning, who is a former missionary to Israel, he's been to our church before, and missions professor at a local Bible college. Here's what he found out after interviewing Muslim background believers on the West Bank there in Israel. And here's what he found out. Every one of these Muslim background believers he interviewed, they had all had dreams. But they all had dreams that did one of two things. Directed the dreamer to a witness in print or in person, or confirmed a witness the dreamer had already heard or read. In other words, they had access to the printed Word of God or even access to the Word of God on technology, and or they had a living person and a witness. The dream did not communicate the gospel. The dream did not evangelize. The dream confirmed or directed. And this brings us to the second truth that's right there in Romans 10 in verses 16 and 17, and it's this. The divine necessity of hearing the message from a messenger. The divine necessity of hearing the message who was sent in verses 14 through 15 is now the means of hearing the message 
in verses 16 and 17. Notice verse 16. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah, he brings it right back. And it's Isaiah 6 this time. Lord, who has believed our report? The answer is not everyone does. But here's the answer. Why does anyone get saved? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. There has to be a messenger sent to share the message. We are required as a church and as believers to send the missionary. The lost are required to receive what they hear by faith to be saved. Amen? That's how it happened. That's how it happened. If you're here this morning and you know Christ, it's because someone was sent to you divinely and, and, and providentially to share the gospel. And when you heard the gospel, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message, the gospel of Christ. And the word or the message is about Christ and no one else. And that message, that gospel with those essentials that we have studied in this series creates faith in the hearts of those who hear so that they can be saved. The gospel message is essential to saving faith. The gospel mandate is clear. Go to all people groups. And the gospel means is sending missionaries who plant, establish, multiply local churches because they are there on the ground, in in the flesh, to share and to show and to love and to lead and to disciple. But sending is one thing. Supporting is another. And that's where 3 John comes in. So turn in your Bibles to 3 John, which Andy read for us. And there we move from the sending that is revealed and required to the supporting the sent. We need to support the sent. It's required to fulfill the mandate. Now, here's the reality. Once missionaries are sent, they must be supported. In fact, the second they acknowledge and surrender and prepare and are qualified and, and, and affirmed by the local church to be sent, from that moment on, there has to be support. And so the Dinos are going to be here. They are just starting. And I don't know if we're the first church, but we're one of the first churches that they're going to be in. And they're just starting out. And we need to love on them. We need to encourage them. Understand that they're young and they're going and they need support. They need encouragement. Uh, Others are already there. Here's the deal. Support is to help them get there, stay there, and thrive there. That's what support is. So support isn't just get you there, bye, hope you have a good time. No, we want you to stay there, and we know that unless we as the rope holders, you will not survive. And we want you to do more than survive. We want you to thrive and bear the fruit that remains. The McCowns will be here. And they've already had, did one stint in Japan. Japan is known as a, a missionary graveyard. And uh, uh, they probably don't need to hear that from us. They, 
They, they're well aware of their surroundings. But I am so thrilled to meet and to encourage and, and, and care for a couple this week who have gone to that very difficult place and are planning a church. Every Saturday night, which is their Sunday morning, uh, Tim is preaching and, and ministering to the church there in Japan while he is here. They need our encouragement. This is why ministries like the Lugers, who are going to be here, Robert and Debbie, are so vital because their ministry, one another ministries, provide missionary care so that the sent stay and thrive on the field. And the beauty of this and of networking and partnerships is we in the past have been able to connect some of our global partners who were struggling relationally and struggling in their marriage, which will implode not only their family, but blow up their ministry to connect them with the Lugers who then ministered to them, and that couple is thriving and continuing on with what is called, God has called them to do. Now, the Lugers are retiring. You know, people in ministry don't retire. They just no longer get a paycheck. They are uh, retiring. And I said, Bob, we want you to come. He said, yeah, but I, I'm, we're not doing that particular, you know, thing. we know that. We want to celebrate. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. We want to encourage you, and we want to explore ways to continue to support this ministry, even though they may not be formally involved. I really don't know what their involvement is going to be. That's why they're here. We're going to spend a week with them. That's what we're going to find out. Supporting the scent is required to fulfill the mandate. Supporting the scent is why the Apostle John wrote this little letter, one of the shortest letters in the entire New Testament, one that is quickly overlooked, one that is often misunderstood. And John writes, he's an aging, he's the last apostle, probably written A.D. 90. he's, He's about to pass off the scene and enter into heaven. And he writes to his beloved Gaius. And and he writes this very short, but it's very profound and practical message. And here's the main idea. He is praising Gaius for supporting itinerant preachers and teachers who pass through and teach and then move on and are dependent on the support of God's people. Now, that application today is missionaries. These missionaries are, in a sense, strangers to us. They don't abide with us. They're not members of our church. They will pass through. We hope that they go from strangers to friends, right? And many of our partners have. And we are supporting them. And John is praising Gaius because he's telling him it is required and desired by both individuals like Gaius himself, but also by the church of which he was a member and probably was a leader and likely as a leader, he opened his own. Because back then he didn't have hotels. We put them up in hotels. They they like hotels. 
okay? They can relax. They can be themselves. It's great to have missionaries in our home. For many years, that's how uh, missions was done, and there's an impact there. But believe me, I've spoken, I've gone, I've stayed in homes, and you're always on, and you just can't relax. And so then, back then, Gaius would open his home. So in verses 5 through 8, verses 5 through 8 that Andy read for us are the heart of the letter as John praises Gaius for supporting the sent. And so what I want to do is simply look at four ways that we desire our church to support those who are sent. Number one, what's our motivation? It's for the fame of his name. It's for the fame of his name. Look at verse 7. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Here John reminds Gaius why missionaries are sent and why we support them. Bottom line, for the fame of his name. Here is the ultimate reason why we have an annual world outreach celebration, for the fame of his name to fill the earth. This is why we end this week, Sunday evening, taking the Lord's Supper, asking nothing of our missionaries, saying nothing about finance, saying nothing about our commitments, but looking only upward to the Lord Jesus Christ, whose broken body and shed blood makes our salvation and our mission possible. It's all for the fame of his name. And think about verse 7. It takes us back to Isaiah 6, wherein we saw, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the whole earth, is filled with his glory. It takes us back to Habakkuk 2.14 that says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. It takes us back to God's mission that we defined in our first message. Fill the earth with image bearers who reflect the glory of God among all people groups. It reminds us, as a church, what is our purpose for everything we do. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever Amen. Notice too in verse 7, notice as well that it says taking nothing from the Gentiles. Why is that? Why taking nothing from the Gentiles? Because the unsaved and the unreached don't give to missions and missionaries. And you know why? Why don't unsaved people interested in missions? Because they don't live for the fame of his name. They don't invest for the fame of his name. They don't look forward to the fame of his name filling the earth in the coming kingdom as people from every tribe, nation, language, and people group gather together around the throne of the Lamb who was slain, and they sing and they shout, Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain and purchased a people for himself. 
They don't look forward to that. Therefore, they don't invest in that. They don't pray about that. But those who believe, like Gaius, those who are beloved by God, like Gaius, they do support the sin. Why? Because we do live for the fame of His name. We do invest for the fame of His name. We do look forward to that day when we are gathered together around the Father and His Son who was slain, and we shout, Our God saves. That's what we're living for. That's what we're looking for. Listen, listen. Why come this week? Why come Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, Sunday uh, lunch for the ladies, Sunday, Lord's Supper? Why fill your week with this? Because our motivation looks upward and to God and then outward to the lost. Because our motivation looks away from self to God the Son and His glorious mission. Because our motivation doesn't rely on what we can do in the power of our flesh, but what God the Spirit can do in and through us. The reason they're here is because they did those things. They looked upward and then outward to the lost. They were looked away from self. They have looked away from self. They struggle with it. They're not perfect with it. None of us are. But they have looked away from self to God the Son and His mission. And what they accomplish will last for eternity because they're doing it in the power of the Spirit. Secondly, we desire to support missionaries in a specific manner. And we see that in verse 6. Here's our manner. Send them forward in a manner worthy of God. Send them forward in a manner. Look at verse 6. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. I really like how the King James and the New King James translates this verse. It's taken and all the way back from William Tyndale, the first translator of the, of the Greek into English. Here's how it goes. Send them forward on their journey. Send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God. What is our manner? Here's what our manner this week is. Send them away refreshed for having been here and not regretting having been with us. Remember the Nestle plunge? You go fall back, somebody, come on, Kim, come on. Nestle plunge, and you drink a Nestle, and you just go, <sighs> refreshing. That's what we want. We want them to get in their cars not regretting, not drained for having been with us, but refreshed. We want them to be sent forward, not set them back by our discouragement. We want to send them in a manner worthy of God himself because he's the one who sent them apart. He's the one who has sent them out, and he's the one who wants us to support them. We give our best to missionaries because the Father gave his best for us, his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We support missionaries with excellence because our motivation is the fame of his name filling the earth. And that's why, with excellence, we give them really nice hotel rooms. We give them KC barbecue, not once, but twice. We take them and we buy books. So we've had missionaries who said, half of my library is due to LifeBridge 
providing these resources. We give them generous love offerings. We do all that. But listen, listen to me. More than that, much more than that, it is the love that you each show. It is the love you show by your presence and your participation and your prayer. In other words, your sending and supporting of them. Third, we see here in this passage the means that we desire for our support of the sent. It's in verses 5 through 6. Our means, whatever you do, do it faithfully. What, I, don't you love that? Whatever you do, because the second you say you've got to do one thing, 95% of us say, well, I can't do that one thing. Well, do this one. I can't. No, no. Whatever you do, do it faithfully. Look at verses 5 through 6. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, especially when they are strangers, when they are visiting, advancing the gospel, missionaries in our context. Whatever you do, from the smallest act to the largest gift, whatever you do, let your shape for ministry guide you. But most of all, follow the leading of the Spirit because He is leading this week. The Spirit will be leading. The question is, are we following? And whatever He asks you to do, I challenge you this week, to submit to that and do it joyfully. Whatever you do, not just sending, but perhaps someone in this congregation this week will go as a missionary. You will surrender as a missionary. Not just going, though, but also praying, something we all can do. Not just praying, but also giving, something we all can do. You say, well, I can't do much. Do what the Lord leads and trust it to Him. Combined together, it becomes much. Not just giving to those who are far away, but welcoming those who are just right around us. They often walk through that door. They come to our Awanas. They are people from other people groups that speak other languages, welcoming them. But not just welcoming them, but also mobilizing one another to get involved in the greatest thing happening on this earth. Whatever you do, John, uh, John says, do it diligently, do it well, and do it faithfully. Listen, I'm telling you, if all of us just this week would step up and say, you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do it more consistently. Consistency over time yields big results. Big results. Big results. Fourth, we desire mutual partnerships. Our mutuality, fellow workers with the truth. Look at verse 8. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. John ends with this awesome, he's praising Gaius, he's pouring on the praise, and he just says, he ends with this awesome reality that when we fulfill our moral and spiritual obligation, because notice, he says, therefore, we ought. And that word is a word for moral obligation. But we do it because we are beloved. Listen, when we fulfill our moral and spiritual obligation to support missionaries as our global partners, we become fellow workers with 
the truth. What's that mean? That means fellow workers in the name of the Father who reveals the truth of the gospel message. It means fellow workers in the name of the Son who is the incarnation of truth and gave us the mandate to go for missions. It means fellow workers in the name of the Spirit who applies the truth to open blind eyes and soften hard hearts. Are you praying for someone to get saved? He can do it in hard places, and he can do it in hard hearts right here in Kansas City, and he can do it this morning in this place right now. But also, we become fellow workers with the missionaries who are sent. Now, the question is, a couple of these missionaries, they need support. We don't support them now. Will we support them all? Well, it depends on a couple of things. It depends on the generosity of us in our faith promise giving. Also, it depends on the Spirit's leading. But whether we support them after this, we can support them this week by our presence and participation. So I want to end with this story. And the year is 1732. It's a true story. 3,000 slaves from the jungles of Africa were brought to St. Thomas Island in the Caribbean to live and die without hearing of Christ. Their master had said, No preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in separate housing until he must leave. But he's never going to talk to any of us about God. I'm done with all that nonsense. And two young Moravians from Germany heard about the need, but they were told that the slaves worked so long, so harshly by their masters, that unless those who went to preach to them would consent to becoming slaves themselves and labor with the enslaved in the plantation, they would have little opportunity of communicating the gospel to them. Hearing this, these two men did not in the smallest degree were deterred in their determination to go. They were both ready not only to be bound but to die for the Lord Jesus. Such was the simplicity of purpose, the singleness of heart, and the strength of their faith by which they were motivated that they were willing to make any sacrifice which might be required if they could just win one soul to Christ. And as their ship left the pier and was going into the North Sea, carried with the tide, the Moravians of their community in Heron Hut came to send them off. In their, and these guys were in their early 20s. The families were weeping, for they feared they would never see them again. And they wondered, why? Why were they going and questioned the wisdom of it? And as the gap widened between the shore and the ship, the young men saw the widening gap, and one of them linked arms with his colleague, and he raised his hand, and he shouted across the gap, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May some from this people group rise up to sing one day. Today you may not know their names, John Dober and David Nitchman. John was just an ordinary potter, worked with clay. David was a carpenter, ordinary occupations, common men with a common Bible, 
but dedicated to an uncommon purpose. They left the security of jobs and families and became the first Moravian missionaries in 1732. And they went for one reason, for the fame of his name. Missionaries are God's required means and our desired partners. Amen. The application is simple. Come this week and prepare your heart this week for your faith promise commitment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have graciously revealed your means for reaching the unreached. Don't let us get sidetracked. Don't let us go for the spectacular or the flashy or the quick and the easy. Lord, let us stick to your time-honored way of sending and supporting missionaries. But Lord, now's our time to respond. And if you're willing, right now, call someone right now to be sent out as a missionary. We don't have to wait for the rest of the week. It can happen this morning. And may they yield to your leading today and seek help in preparing to be sent. Father, if there's someone here who doesn't need to be sent, but first needs to be saved, I pray that they would embrace your son, Jesus Christ, knowing that you are a holy God and we are hopeless and helpless sinners. And apart from the person and work of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, was buried, and rose to show that he could save anyone from anything. I pray that we would just, if someone that needs to be saved, they would just simply turn from their sins and turn to Christ today in faith and repentance, crying out, Lord, save me. Lord, if there's believers or members of this church who have never offered themselves as living sacrifices to go wherever you lead, may this morning be the day that they commit to doing that. Father God, all of us have a part to play. All of us do. And may this week help us to see how sending and supporting is what you require, what you desire, and what we get to be in. Lord, for the fame of your name, we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.